and the brave new world begins. When all men are paid for existing, and no man must pay for his sins, as surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook headings, with terror and slaughter return. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Copybook Headings podcast. Uh, this is the podcast where we take every week, we break down a proverb, a maxim, an old saying, and we try to distill some uh, ancient wisdom and see what we can learn from it, uh, inspired by the poem by, by Rudyard Kipling, The Gods of the Copybook Headings. Uh, I am your host, Patrick Payne, and uh, with me, as always, is the wonderful, the brilliant uh, Andrews. Stevens, Andrews, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing tonight? I'm awesome. Thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, we've we've got a we've got an interesting one this week. Um, this is one that I picked. Uh, so we kind of tend to take turns going back and forth, uh, choosing choosing these proverbs every week. And this was one that I had, I had selected. Um, Want to lay it on us? Tell us what we're what we're talking about today. Sure. Yeah. Tonight we are, or today or whenever everyone's listening, um, we're recording tonight, but, um, yeah, the, uh, the Teddy Roosevelt, um, saying speak softly and carry a big stick. You will go far. That's, that's the full part. Um, so yeah, so, um, Roosevelt famously said this as part of his speech, he attributed it to to being a West African proverb. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I don't think either of us were able to find any, you know, any further back kind of solid references. So this must maybe just something he came across on one of his, his many voyages and, um, or in many, the thousands of books he read. Yeah. So, um, yeah, give it a political speech at the Minnesota state fair, you know, we've polished off, a. A deep fried stick of butter and uh, <laughs> and, and said this, yeah, nice. So, um, yeah, what, and he was he was vice president at the time. I, I if my research is correct, and and he was describing what his ideal kind of foreign policy was, right? That's right. Yeah, this was the um, McKinley Roosevelt yeah. campaign. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, tell tell us what caught your eye with this one. Um, yeah. Uh, this one is uh, just kind of a famous one that I wanted to talk about because it's one that everyone's mostly heard. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a common one and uh, people do have kind of a political interpretation of it because it was used at, at, at a political rally. And that's kind of the first uh, real recorded uh, instance of it. Like, like you mentioned, uh, Roosevelt said he'd heard it in, in West Africa and he, it may very well be, be the case. I mean, he, he was kind of a well-known traveler and adventurer. So, um, uh, uh, at least he didn't claim to, to invent it himself, but, uh, I think there's, there's more relevance to it than just, than just politics. Although that's certainly, um, you know, we as, as, as voters and citizens are, are, are part of the the body politic. And, and so I think that's, uh, not an irrelevant point of the, you know, the foreign policy and as informed citizens, that should be something that we should, uh, we should consider. But I think there's a wider, uh, broader application here, uh, in terms of just your, our day-to-day life. So I kind of wanted to, wanted to break it down and see what we could, what we could glean from it. Um, 
uh, what, uh, just from the political aspect of it, uh, what's your kind of understanding of what that, what, what Teddy meant by that? Um, I, I think, I mean, so, so at the time, you know, this is kind of in support of the Monroe doctrine and Mm -hmm. kind of saying, you know, this, this hemisphere is, is, is ours to worry about. So, you know, the rest of the world, Europe can stay out of it. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I think some of it, it gets associated with, uh, deterrence a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in the nuclear era that, you know, a nuclear arsenal is, is a deterrent. That's, that's your big stick. Yeah. And really, you know, militarily doesn't get bigger than that. So, uh, so then the rest of what you need to do is kind of worry about how you're presenting yourself, how your diplomacy comes across. Right. So the, the speaking softly part or the speaking part is the diplomacy aspect. And then the, the big stick is the military aspect and, and kind of how they work hand in hand. Um, and that if you have that big stick and everyone knows you've got it, um, you don't need to be out there making big threats. You don't need to be out there, uh, boasting because, uh, everyone knows what you can do. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. And I think, you know, to more or less that has been successful for our country, or at least, you know, that's been compared to other smaller countries that like to rattle the saber a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think when it's been, uh, followed, <laughs> I think it's been successful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I can think of some some instances certainly when it, when it hasn't been, uh, in our country went to our detriment. Um, uh, the, probably one of the, one of the biggest, uh, examples of course would be, you know, the post nine 11 era kind of changed everything in politics here in America. And we had, you know, the Bush administration, which did all sorts of things. And, and, uh, I read a book re- uh, a while back talking about how his, his negotiations with the Taliban early on post nine 11 and how he was trying, they were, trying to negotiate, um, uh, turning in Osama bin Laden over to the United States and and they wouldn't mm-hmm. do it because they had their own code or their own laws or whatever. And they'd say, well, we won't, we can't turn it over to a, to a, you know, uh, infidel country or something like that, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. but we'll, we, but I think originally they had said they were willing to turn them over to, uh, you know, a Muslim country or something like that. They had these different things and Bush was just like, no way I, we don't negotiate with these people, you know? So, um, and it led to a long protracted war where, you know, who knows, they might have been able to have turn over to, uh, you know, Turkey or some ally or some something like that that uh, ended it a yeah. lot sooner. But uh, there's a little bit of a little bit of uh, not talking so softly, right? A little bit too eager to use the big stick, in my opinion. There. Yeah, absolutely. And the and then there's the aspect of, um, you know, in the last I'd say the last decade of of foreign policy where there's a lot of, a lot of red line talk, right? A lot of big talk from presidents yeah. saying like, if you do this, you're in trouble. And, uh, and a lot of countries just kind of saying, okay, we're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then nothing happens. And, um, and that, uh, is detrimental to, <laughs> to the, uh, the image of, of the country and, and, uh, kind of goes against this, this concept. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I, this, this saying is interesting because it, it had, it, it talks about the, the difference in the kind of the, the interplay between, um, well, diplomacy and war certainly, but broader speaking, uh, just communication and violence, you know, um, 
persuasion and violence or persuasion and force, right? It mm-hmm. has this interplay between, you know, uh, you should talk softly. You should use diplomacy. You should try to get along with people. Don't go out looking for trouble, but there needs to be some, there needs to be a backup. Like at the end of the day, there's got to be a backup of some, some, some teeth behind it, right? Or else it's, it's meaningless. Yeah. And so I, I think that's relevant in a lot of areas. Um, you know, we can, we could probably sit and chat politics and foreign policy all day, but I think there's, there's uh this is something that's relevant, uh, even in our daily lives. Uh, when you, when you have a, you know, just, uh, interpersonal, interpersonal, uh, experiences throughout at work or at home with parenting, uh, I think it's very common to see people one or the other, but not striking the proper balance. Um, yeah. and what I mean by that is like, you see a lot of people who are very timid, maybe they'll talk softly, but they might just let people walk all over them. They don't have mm-hmm. any, any, any back, any backbone, any teeth to it, where it's like, you know what, you've pushed too far. This is not okay. And then you have some people that you'll see oftentimes that are pushy and they're threatening and they're kind of bullyish and, uh, they're willing to use that stick but they don't, they don't follow the other side of the advice. And so like, like many of these proverbs that we've, we've done it, oftentimes it comes down to like a kind of a balance, right? And you need to be willing to be a peacemaker and have that, that soft spoken demeanor, but, uh, have the strength behind it as well. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely true. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to, I guess, demeanor and, mm-hmm. and how you, how you carry yourself uh, in the world. Um, uh, you know, that's speaking, that's, that's uh, speaking so softly. You're not speaking at all at that point, right? You're just, you're mm-hmm. sending a message uh, non-verbally. Um, I think that's, that's one thing that uh, that's a benefit of being a, a, a man mm-hmm. uh, that you that I've experienced and my, my wife likes to joke about, I'm, I'm a big guy. I've got a big beard. Um, I can walk around at night and, uh, people are crossing the street. (laughs) Right. So, so, uh, that, you know, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to go the extra mile to (laughs) to get people to stay away. But, you know, if you're, if you have your head up and your, your, your shoulders back, like, that goes a long way to, to projecting confidence, to projecting, um, that you're not to be trifled with. Um, so I, I guess, I guess I'm just thinking, you know, in, in the personal aspect of this, of this proverb, speaking softly, carrying a big stick. Um, what do you, I mean, for you, I know you, I know you, you train some in, in martial arts and, mm-hmm. and stuff like what, what do you think that aspect uh, bears, you know, is in play here with this one? With, with yeah. That's a good question. Prepared. Good question. And, and, I, and maybe that's why I was drawn to it a little bit as a martial artist myself. Uh, um, that's something that we, we talk about a lot is just because you have the capability to, to do harm to someone. In fact, because you have the capability, it kind of yeah. gives you more of a responsibility to be a little bit softer. Yeah. Um, and I learned that as well, um, uh, years ago when I, when I, I bought a 
my first handgun and I took a, like a concealed weapons course. They yeah, told yeah. you, they're like, if you carry a gun concealed, like, you know, understand that now every inter- interaction you have is a potential lethal altercation because you brought a lethal weapon into it. And you're, and when they said that, I was like, Oh dang, like now you don't have the luxury of getting angry and screaming and yelling anymore. If you're, if you have a gun on you, you know, you have to be, you have to be more responsible than that. You have to have that, carry that responsibility with you. So, um, so yeah, I think that's, that's definitely, definitely relevant there. Uh, speaking of martial arts, I was just watching a YouTube video recently where they had like this, a bunch of martial arts, martial artists together, and they were doing these little challenges and they were like, uh, seeing who could win the number of these challenges. And some of them were like a simulated mugging, you know, they'd have like a fake knife and some guy would come Mm -hmm. up to him and, and each one had to do the challenge separately and then see who, who handled it, you know, appropriately. And a bunch of them would like, you know, try to take the knife away and they'd kick and they'd do whatever this or the other. And, uh, and one of the guys was just like, what, what do you want, man? What do you want? My wallet? And he just like feigned giving me his wallet and the guy walked away and that was it. And he got full <laughs> points in the, in the challenge for that. And there were all the other guys were like, no way. That's all you had to do. He's like, man, that's what we're, you know, <laughs> what are we teaching yeah. martial arts? You know, deescalate. Don't, don't do violence if you don't have to. Right. And, oh, um, great. <laughs> and so it was awesome. Yeah. It was great that he got, he won the challenge there because he was just like, you know, what would I do in real life? Am I going to try to fight somebody with a knife over my wallet? Yeah. Heck no. Just give him the wallet yeah. and move on. Right. Yeah, you definitely you definitely learn to to pick your battles better when you when you have that kind of training. And I had I had a similar experience with, you know, some years ago taking that concealed carry class where yeah, they they definitely emphasize that uh, that aspect, right? That you you really need to go the extra mile to deescalate to extract yourself from a situation that mm-hmm. that is volatile cuz you know you don't want it to go there, especially not on your terms, right? Like that's, I think that's a big part of, of this too is, is, um, yeah. Like with that mugging, right. You, you, you're, you're ambushed, you're off guard. You just, you're, you're on your back foot. You just <laughs> give the wallet yeah. and live to fight another day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, ego is the enemy in that, in that case, I think. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's one of, we, we talk about that a, a lot in, uh, when I do jujitsu as well as the guys with the ego, you can tell, and, and, uh, they, they get humbled pretty quick, you know, cause there's always someone better. There's always some, so there's, there's some value there to, to sparring and, and going, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just see for people like me who are kind of chronically online, I, uh, I just see videos over and over of these. It seems like it's, it's, um, uh, the violence is ramping up and maybe that's just my mm-hmm. perception because I'm online too much. I, I don't know, but uh, it seems like things are just kind of, kind of starting to fray socially. And there's just every, every week, there's some new video of someone, you know, getting in a fight or someone getting shot or so, this, this happening. And, and I look at them and so many yeah. of them, I think are avoidable. So many are avoidable. If someone had followed this principle of speaking softly first um, before they pulled out their stick and show them how, how tough they are. Um, yeah. Uh, have you, have you noticed the same thing or what, what has your experience been? Yeah, I, I think that maybe I'm in the same, the same situation as you just in the wrong bubbles, watching with yeah. the, the wrong videos, like passing around and stuff, but it definitely, it definitely seems that way. And I, and I definitely, you know, as, as a father of young children, like I get, you know, maybe paranoid's the right word, you know, but I'm definitely hyper vigilant and concerned now about just those kinds of random 
you know, the kinds of the kinds of lashing out that that people do who are lashing out at you might say humanity itself, right? To go mm-hmm. to go Jordan Peterson on on you, mm-hmm. um, and just you know when you when you have those little, little innocent beautiful children, like you, you start to see well that that's a crazy person's target, right? You want to mm-hmm. like so I, I need to I need to do what I can to to protect them from that and to. <laughs> to to carry that big stick <laughs> yeah and and uh as i had mentioned before um you know it's it's uh important to go to kind of go both ways like i mentioned that uh we've we've mostly been talking so far about not talking you know <laughs> boisterously and being in people's yeah. face but you also do have to have a stick um you can't just think that being nice is going to going to solve all the, the world's problems because that's not yeah. how that's not how it works uh deterrence is a real thing um, you know, we can't just expect that, uh, the, 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 the gun-free zones signs are gonna, gonna stop anything. Cause they, cause they don't, I mean, you have to have some, some physical security. You have to have some physical force backed up behind the, the, uh, the polite words. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, there's, there's those two sides. And, um, it's funny, you mentioned you're, you're a big guy. I'm not especially, I'm not an especially big guy. Uh, and, um, so I, I've noticed there, there's, you know, uh, growing up, you have different experiences and I'm noticing Mm -hmm. my son, who's also small for his age, uh, kind of having the same experiences, you know, sometimes that I did that you'd have sometimes these big guys who are just these gentle giants. And one of his best friends is this huge kid. Right. And then you have some of the kids who are kind of like, try to use their size and their strength to pick on the littler kids. And, and my, my son does jujitsu too. He's, he's actually, um, won a few tournaments and stuff. And so he, it frustrates him. He's like, I could kill this kid. I'm like, I know you can, please don't like, <laughs> he's like, I could choke this kid, kid on touch. I'm like, I, 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 I'll bet you could, but please don't. And, uh, so, but it's, it's frustrating for him because, you know, he has these guys talking big and they're, they're trying to be tough guys. And, and, um, yeah, you know, most kids don't know how to fight. They don't train or anything. So, so someone who's a martial artist is, but I think that's, that's a, um, a positive lesson for him to learn, you know, there's going to be people chirping in your face sometimes. And, uh, you know, uh, what are you going to do about it? You're going to, you're going to really, you're going to hit them. You're going to do something. Are you going to learn to speak softly? Just be like, okay, yep. Whatever you say. And, um, and so, and as you become an adult, that escalates your ability to harm someone increases especially yeah. if you own a firearm or, or something like that, you know, so learning those lessons young, I think, I think is pretty important. Definitely. Yeah. You just so have I daughters know. though, right? So you don't have the, you don't have the boy situation yet, right? <laughs> no, no, not yet. <laughs> and, they're, and they're young. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I was just thinking, I was thinking about, you know, the other aspect, the, the speaking softly aspect, um, you know, before, before I had kids, before we were married, even, you know, my, my wife lived in, in Massachusetts and not the best area of not the best town when she was in grad school out there. And I'd come to visit her, but she, she would call me the crazy whisperer because, uh, you know, we'd, we'd be know, somewhere like a Taco Bell and there's just someone, he's a little unhinged and losing his cool at the people working at Taco Bell because something's wrong, you know? And, um, you know, I, I, I'd have a pretty easy time just like de-escalating people like that, just kind of treating them normal, and then they kind of calm down. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. um, 
and so I, I think that's you know that that's a gift I've I've been blessed with. I don't have to use it too much these days. Living in a more, it, uh, I don't know, a more comfortable middle class neighborhood and stuff. But uh, I think it's definitely something also worth practicing with people. Um, worth uh, in investing in that in the time and effort into, I guess, just seeing people as um, as people and not not potential antagonists or or <laughs> combatants and um yeah that that's the other side of this coin um yeah i don't know yeah what else to say about that but yeah no i agree and i it brings up a a little story on my end as well um about my my son he was getting having this these issues with this other kid in school who's bigger than him he comes home to me one day and he says I'm getting in a fight tomorrow. And I was like, Oh geez. I was like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm supposed to meet this kid at the flagpole, you know, and you know, the, you know, the, the, you know, the drill. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh geez. I'm like, well, you're not, what are you going to do? He's like, well, I, I got to fight him or else they're going to think I'm a coward and, and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, let's solve this problem. Let's find a solution to this problem. What can we do about this? Cause I was like, let's look at the alternatives. Let's look at what could happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Option one, you get in a fight with him and you beat him up. Okay. You're going to get suspended, possibly expelled. He's going to hate you forever because you humiliated him in front of everybody. He's your enemy now for life. Um, maybe somebody gets hurt. Maybe he falls down on the concrete, hits his head. Maybe he gets seriously injured. That's bad. Yeah. I was like, what if he surprises you, hits you with a punch, knocks you down. You get beat up, surprised. Now you're humiliated. Now yeah. you're still going to probably get in trouble for fighting. That's a bad scenario. It's like, I just really can't see a good way out of this, you know? And so we thought about it and, and he's like, well, he wants to prove how tough he is and this, that, and the other. And he keeps saying he can, he could beat me and my jujitsu is not going to do anything. And so we came up with an idea. He and I together, I was like, why don't you invite him down to the jujitsu school and say, yeah. Hey man, if you want to, but they call it rolling, right? If you want to like spar, come roll. Like that's, it's a safe place to do it. People challenge each other. Hey, I, let's see, let's see who's better. Let's do it. And, uh, so he, wrote down the name and the address of the jujitsu school and went down to the kid's house that, that afternoon um, with some supervision <laughs> and he, yeah. he gives it to him. And amazingly this kid and his dad and his brothers showed up the next day and now he's going and he's like doing it too. And they're having a good time. And I'm like, <laughs> well, maybe they're just going to become jujitsu buddies now and they'll be friends. I'm like, yeah. I was so glad that he was, we were able to find a solution to that that didn't include him you know, scrapping in the playground. Um, so I thought that was, I, w- I was proud of him for, for, for doing that. And, and, uh, hopefully it, it ends, it all ends well. That's, that's a great story. Yeah. I, I wish there was, I wish there was more of that. Right. Like, I feel like there was a time, you know, probably speaking back to, to Teddy Roosevelt here, like that was kind of the, what he grew up with is that, you know, when you had a dispute like this, you didn't need to go meet behind the portables at the, at the school. You could go to the boxing ring yeah. in front, like the school boxing ring and, <laughs> yeah. and the gym teachers there to, to supervise. And you, you, you have a controlled setting and, and agreed upon rules and, and you got to respect the winner there. And, uh, and so that's, hopefully there's more of that kind of stuff, like going to these going to these, uh, these gyms and <laughs> settling things there and, or even better, like like this scenario where, all right, they're gonna do something constructive, gonna learn, gonna kind of quash the beef there. So that's yeah. great. 
And uh, I, I watched the two of them roll together their first time. And of course, my boy, you know, immediately jumps, yeah. gets on his back, chokes him, <laughs> taps him out. I'm like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's his first day. And uh, I think the kid was surprised because he does he does have some some size on him. And uh, so maybe maybe he learned something as well. I know my boy learned something about not giving into the temptation of fighting, finding another solution, yeah. finding a peaceful way. And hopefully this kid learned a little bit of humility too. Hey, you know, just be cautious because you never know what, what what's going on and not to be too too arrogant about things. But uh, um, so, yeah, I, I thought that was a really, really positive experience overall. And and like I said, I, I'm hoping that they can they can become friends out of it. But uh, yeah, I agree with your point that that was m- far more common. I mean, I, I know Teddy Roosevelt was just from what I know about his his uh, uh, biography. He was into boxing and wrestling and mm-hmm. uh, he used to do that kind of stuff all the time. And I, I think that, uh, you know, sometimes, especially with men, with boys, boys are just kind of sometimes like that. Sometimes they need to get a lot, get out a little bit of an aggression and, and having a sport um, or a, a physical competition is, can, can be healthy. Um, yeah. Is uh, uh, you seem like the kind of the gentle giant type. Did you ever have any issues like that when you were growing up or, or are you, uh, you're pretty chill? No, I think, I think I got in one fight in like second grade and it was like my best friend and he like punched me right in the chest and that was enough. I was like, okay. <laughs> I think he was in, this was the eighties. So he was in a karate and, uh, of course. and, uh, no, I just never, never really gotten to, gotten to scraps. Just kind of. Yeah. Just, I remember, I remember those, those '80s karate days. Like after the Karate yeah. Kid came out, there those karate dojos around town must have just been printing money after that because we were all like, <laughs> "We need to go, we need to go get our black belts," and you know, yeah, exactly. That was a fun time, but yeah, absolutely. So, but um, uh, aside from you know, fisticuffs and 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 war, I think there's even some other applications here in terms of uh, just like parenting, um, mm-hmm. not being quick to the to the belt or quick to the punishment. Uh, yeah. having, having the, the discipline there, but, uh, but not being quick to it. Um, I know yeah. sometimes I can be guilty of that as, you know, you're going to be punished because you did this and, and maybe speaking a little softer first and try to teach first before you jump to discipline, um, might be more appropriate. What, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what goes with that, what goes with that, as you've mentioned is, um, I think, or maybe it was before we started recording, but like communication, right? clear communication being part of that Mm. with kids, right? Like you're the, they need to know what you're speaking softly about very clearly so that they know where your line is, what, what's going to happen. Um, you can't, I mean, my, my kids are still young, so, but, uh, but it's something I worry about with myself of just like being, being too arbitrary, being too capricious, just basing my my re- responses based on you know the mood at the time which is going to be you know I'm annoyed in the moment and it's mm-hmm. and I'm not giving fair warning or things like that um yeah what what have you what have you found with with your experience with your kids yeah i uh, um well i want to echo what you said first it's uh it's it's hard not to have the punishment match your mood more than the behavior right? It should match the behavior. It should be consistent. It shouldn't match your mood, which it's hard to do, you know, when you've, uh, especially when you have multiple kids, because maybe one of them just did something and another one did the same thing or something similar, but those are separate 
events and it feels like everyone's just doing everything wrong and they're doing it on purpose. And they're, you know, this is the worst day and <laughs> I hate this. Um, but the second kid, it's not fair to take out your frustration from the first on the second or to take out your frustration from work on any of them. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, um, it's a good reminder that, uh, the first, the first solution should always be sitting down and talking and figure out what, figuring out what happened. Um, I think sometimes we forget as, as parents that the strict punishment, even a harsh punishment can still come later. Like the, it doesn't mm -hmm. take that off the table if you sit down and talk to them. Um, yeah. so you don't have to feel like they're getting away with it. If you don't scream and yell and blow up, you can sit down and be like, okay, why did you do that? Okay. What, what were you thinking? You know, what was, what, what, what do you have to say anything or, you know, see, kind of hear their side of it. And then you can still say, well, that was a very serious thing to do. You're, there's going to be some serious consequences and you can apply that calmly. But, uh, I think sometimes in our minds, we feel like if it's a serious thing, we gotta, we gotta react big time. Yeah. So they know it's serious. Right. Um, and I yeah. don't think that's probably the appropriate way to do it. <laughs> no, definitely not. And especially thinking of my, my, my youngest, uh, I guess, baby slash toddler at this point, but like, you know, when, when they're that age, they want, they want a big reaction. It's funny to them to get a big reaction out of you. Like that's, that's what they're doing. And they have no, idea. I mean, they don't know, um, consequences at that point, but you can see how that could carry through later into childhood is, you know, a reaction is a reaction and it's attention, you know, like if that's what they're craving, yeah. you know, a bad reaction is, is still attention. So, you know, when they, when the kid throws her food off her high chair, right? Like she's, if you're calm about it, she'll stop doing it because she's not getting the laughs from it. And, uh, not getting the, getting the reaction from, from you getting irritated by having to pick up stuff off the floor. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I get, I wanted to ask you, um, when it comes to finding a line that you're willing to, to enforce, you know, be it with raising kids or, or in physical confrontation, like what do you think goes into determine, like determining for yourself, deciding for yourself what that line is and, and how you, um, how you enforce it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that's gonna, you know, everyone's going to kind of figure, figure that out for themselves. I, I, um, I was having a discussion with someone recently. There was a, there was a video online of some, you know, one of these crazy guy on a subway videos where <laughs> things are going, yeah. going nuts. And, uh, uh, in this particular video, there was a guy kind of going crazy and a passenger on the, on the train or bus or whatever it was sitting there, not doing anything. And, um, I had commented that he should have done something and, um, people were like, well, you think you should have beat him up or done something, this, that, or the other. And, and in this particular case, the, there was a guy on, on this public transportation with his kid. And so one of my lines is make sure the kid is safe. That's mm -hmm. the first thing. So it doesn't mean, you know, attack somebody if they're being erratic. But the first thing I would have done in a situation where there's an erratic guy on a public transport and me with my kid is get in between me and, you know, put myself between this guy and the yeah. kid. That's a right. line for me, period. You just put yourself in between that and see if you can talk him down. Hey, what's going on, man? Are you okay? You know, do you need help? What's happening? You know, um, but uh, uh, for, first thing is protect the 
the weak and the innocent. The people who can't protect themselves need to be watched over. And that's, that's, I think a sacred responsibility that I have as a dad, and I'm not going to give that up for any reason. So that's the number one. Um, and then there's, there's, um, there's others. I mean, as some people say, if someone puts their hands on me, it's go time. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe not. You know, if they kind of give you a little shove, maybe you could be like, you know what, that to me, I don't think is a, is necessarily a line. Um, Mm -hmm. I can walk away from that and we can, we can still have a better day (laughs) than if I decide to put hands back on them and, and then, and then it's go time. So, um, so yeah, I think, uh, I, that's something that everyone's going to have to have to determine for themselves, but, but, uh, parents have a different responsibility and that that's to, that's to care for the kids. Yeah. How about you? Have you given any, that th- any thought or, um, no, I mean, yeah, but it's, uh, I don't, I don't know that I've got an answer yet. Like, um, it's, it's hard to. It's hard to hold your ground in a lot, in a lot of areas <clears throat> and, and not be a pushover. So, uh, but then, you know, you don't want to go too far the other way. You don't want to, to overcorrect and <laughs> yeah. have, a, have a hair trigger. And so that's it's still something I'm working out, I think, and just trying to see how other people are doing it and, and, and see where they put their lines. I like what you had to say though. That's, I thought that's something for me to think about. Yeah. And, uh, I, it's going to obviously vary by, by circumstance, but, um, uh, you know, and that's, you know, I think listening to these old, these old proverbs can help us in those regards. You know, am I, am I trying to speak softly while carrying that stick, you know? And so having those, 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 uh, that good advice, that good old wisdom in your mind can, can help with those sorts of things. So hopefully, Everyone listening to this will remember that going forward. <laughs> Speak softly, but carry that stick. So make sure that uh, that you're going and and being that peacemaker everywhere you can. But but uh, making sure you have uh, the ability to to protect yourself and and those that you love, and also uh, holding that line if there's a if there's a moral line that you that you can't cross. Uh, Stay yeah. true to that as well. Absolutely. Now now before we go, is there? Do you think there's a uh, uh, gods of the marketplace counter to this one that that's popular. Is there, are people, that's a good question. Is um, the message kinda... in, out in the world is the message from, from Hollywood, from wherever, is it to, to be loud and, and harmless? <laughs> what, what do you think? Um, sometimes I think there's, there's messages from the gods of the marketplace here. The, 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 the counter of the, the copybook headings that we discuss uh, from both sides, you'll see people saying, well, all you need is, is kindness and love. And, and that's, that's it, you know, and that's all you got to mm-hmm. do is just, everyone just need, you just need to give them a hug. And, um, that's great, but not always true. You know, sometimes that's yeah. not what's needed. Sometimes you do need a stick and sometimes that's the way, the way, the only appropriate solution. And then you have other people who are like, well, man, you know, uh, you disrespect me and, and that's, that's it. You know? So yeah. um, I, th- I think people catch messages from all sorts of places and, and um, Hollywood's hardly consistent in their, in their messages that they send. They'll, you know, they'll say one thing and then another and, and uh, you know, they'll glorify vigilanteism and then, and then they'll have the, the same actor who played in it talk about how you know <laughs> the exact opposite and disarming people or whatever. I don't know. So yeah, yeah it's hard to, it's hard to keep track of every, all the silly messages that, uh, pop culture's spreading, but, but yeah, I, I definitely, I think it's, there's, um, 
I think it comes on both directions, bad advice on both sides, both ends yeah. of the extremes. All right. Thanks. Um, and let's see. So is this one a keeper then? Is this, do we, we consider this a, a solid, solid proverb despite th- not being that old? You know, I think so. I, you know, who knows how old it is? It might actually be a West African proverb that <laughs> Teddy talked about. We just any, can't find any it. Any West African listeners here, let us know if, if this is one you know. Yeah, if you, <laughs> yeah, if you're from like Togo or something, and uh, and you know your great great grandpa told you this, please let us know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, thanks for, for thanks for joining us, everybody, and, and thanks Andrew for another good discussion. We'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right, see you next time. Yep. Thanks. There are only four things certain since social progress began: that the dog returns to his vomit, and the sow returns to her mud. And the burnt fool's bandaged finger goes wobbling back to the fire. And that after this is accomplished, and the brave new world begins, when all men are paid for existing, and no man must pay for his sin, as surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook idiots, with terror